Hey everyone, welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it is good to be back with you after our little week off due to some some travel. Um, we were we kind both of had fun. Yeah. Uh, so you went down to Santa Fe, New Mexico, right? Taos. Taos, okay. Well, close to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> um, not too far. Um, where we went, la- that's a great place to shoot. Um, yeah, a friend of ours that we've had on the podcast eric bulls and i went down there and spent several days and just had a blast oh, that's great cliff dwellings and photographing you know old adobe churches and you know that kind of stuff it's just fun and it's good for black and white too oh i may have done some black and white there you go yeah awesome yeah. and as i alluded to before i'm back from my trip down to San Diego, California for birds and other wildlife. And I had a great group. I had, I had uh, six really awesome clients and uh, it was really great working with them. And I think they all learned, I learned a lot. Um, and I was very pleased because I finally got a chance to go to a location where I could put the um, uh, OM1 and some lenses to the test on flying birds, which is just, so hard to come by here at home especially this time of year is mm-hmm. you'd see some canada canada geese fly by yesterday but that's not not exciting and I'll, I'll just say i was looking at my shots from this year as compared to previous years with other systems you know with, where i had gone and used c9 and c6 and d850 and i gotta say my shots all look really good i you know i, mm-hmm. I can't see anything about them that makes me think you know it's no better or worse I probably have, you know, so very pleased with the bird autofocus acquisition system on on that camera. Um, I I bet it was nice to handhold too. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have, I did not collapse under the, in fact, I was able to pack two lenses and that body in a small carry-on size bag Mm -hmm. that went under the seat in my bag. We've talked about that brevity jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all fit bag. in the i had the 100 to 400 i had the 300 f4 with a foot on it i had a 1.4 teleconverter which i messed with that'll come in handy on today's episode and then i had the camera body with its battery grip attached so i had two batteries and it all fit in the bottom compartment of that bag and you know that was kind of crazy it was it was just it Especially was just, if you it think was just about nice. the focal lengths that you were shooting at right uh, that's that's where it gets crazy especially if you think about them historically right i mean i had the equivalent of a 200 to 800 zoom and a 600 f you know prime Mm -hmm. think about a 600 prime in any configuration these days it's big and heavy and it would have been it would have taken up i would have had a roller bag for it i'll put it that way yeah having owned a 600 prime in the past yeah now today we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to loop back to last week or last episode. And if you recall, and if you haven't listened to our last episode, go, go find us imagedoctorsphoto.com. Go to the bottom of the page and every, every episode is in there in the RSS feed or go to your Apple podcast or wherever you get us and search for the image doctors podcast. Uh, but we talked about lightening your kit, um, you know, for these very reasons, nobody's getting any younger and, you know, nobody right. likes back and neck problems and carrying stuff through airports. And, you know, at some point is the stuff that you have, are you paying too much of a weight penalty 
to carry around things that you know could be achieved you know photographic quality wise could be achieved with a with a smaller system so that you know we talked about that and we talked about things like fuji and olympus and or om yeah, systems so what being we ways were really to do that what we were really talking about there is a potential system change and that's not easy possible no but it's not easy and for some people you know it's really hard and really painful financially and they just don't want to learn new menus and now your lenses in the other direction or whatever i'm still and there may be things that you dearly love that you already own that aren't really a size or weight problem you know it's just so those portions of the system aren't an issue so what we're going to talk about today are ways that especially a full frame system owner can lighten their load and get surprisingly good results, but they may be using lenses with aperture ranges that you're less likely to think about, or just hadn't put a lot of thought and energy into. Well, yeah. And let's just back up for a second. You know, when it comes to lens design and construction, there are physical limitations. Um, mm-hmm. The longer the focal length and the faster the aperture, the bigger that front element has to be. And you just can't get around that. No, there, there, there are some very simple physics, you know, divide the focal length by that aperture and that you're going to have to have an opening that big. Right. And that goes just, you know, that goes for just about any, any, um, format you use it on now with smaller formats you can get some smaller and lighter lenses but typically the way you make a lens lighter is by making it slower making the the maximum aperture becomes instead of 2.8 it's 3.5 or 4 or even 5 you know sometimes even slower 6.3 yeah well, especially on the variable lens right yeah and uh I think there was a time when, you know, especially uh, we being at one point, you know, predominantly Nikon based systems, if we go back in time to their lineup that they had in the, in the early 2000s, they had F2.8 lenses, and, you know, at least for zooms, which were considered the good ones. And then you had these variable things, which tended to be f Four to five point six, or something like that, and and then more recently we see the the six point three, uh, you know, at the at the end, you know, and there wasn't anything in between, and and generally those variable aperture lenses, just the zooms at least, were just not as good as those two eight zooms, you know, yeah. optically speaking, and so but they mean, represented a compromise, you know, they were, you know, they were cheaper and they were lighter, but they wouldn't be as good. Let me throw out, before we get to the the much slower lenses, something that sometimes gets dismissed too quickly. And and it's what I took down to New Mexico with me last week. I was using the, the Canon R5 system and constant F4 zooms mm-hmm. can be an interesting sweet spot too, as opposed to two eights. But right. by, by going with three F4 zooms, you know, a little trinity, trinity of those, I was using the 14 to 35 F4, the 24 to 105 F4, the mm-hmm. 70 to 200 F4, which is a tiny lens. But that was a big weight savings and space savings compared to the 2.8 versions without 
many penalties. I mean, realistically, it's a nice aperture range. You can get good subject isolation still with them. They're these lenses, since they're newer lenses, are sharp, wide open. So it's not like two eight lenses of the past where you kind of had to stop down to f four, so it didn't right. look kind of smeared and blurry. These are sharp, wide open. So don't forget about the um, constant f four zooms, and, and that's You'll something find them in most systems. That, well, that's something that Canon had early on that was very nice. They had an option for constant f four zooms even in the DSLR days. Mm -hmm. They had they had those. Nikon didn't have a lot of those early on, and they brought some in with the Z, so like the 24 to 70 Z f4 kit lens, which was mm -hmm. compact and nice. Those f4 zooms are awfully good, but in general speaking, I think one of the things that's happened in the last, you know, especially the last five years with the lens designs mm -hmm. is whether it's an f4 or or an f you know, variable, you know, six, three or whatever. These lenses are awfully good now, including yeah. ones that you wouldn't have, wouldn't have even have given a second thought to, if you consider yourself, well, I'm a prosumer, you know, enthusiast, right. right? Um, you know, some are better than others, but I mean, go back two years when, when I bought the 24 to 200, you know, F4 to six, three zoom. Um, is it the sharpest lens that they have in the lineup? No, but it's plenty good enough for most travel use. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's better ones out there and, and, you know, but that lens is not big and heavy. It's very easy to manage and you have a tremendous range. And for a lot of things, it's, it's absolutely great. And other companies have similar ones, um, available too. Um, you know, another thing that can lighten the load is greater use of plastics and that can sound mm -hmm. a little bit scary or, you know, like they right. might fall apart, but, you know, honest to God, a lot of them, it's hard to tell by feel that they're really made of plastic right. because right. they feel very solid and, you know, not cheap and loose. Right. You know, so I would say don't be resistant to that necessarily either. Well, right. And there are some lenses that, you know, I mean, within, your own, you know, whatever system you might find yourself using, um, that are going to be lighter and slower, but actually remarkably good. Um, mm -hmm. One, now I have um, for the OM system, I have the forty to one fifty f four. Very good lens, metal Neat construction. Lens. It's not big in terms of what I'm used to shooting, but they make a little one. You know, they make one that's, what is it? It's like F63 on the long end. You know, it's like F, you know, it's, it's, it's also a 80 to 300 equivalent, right? And it's plastic, but it costs almost nothing. And it's surprisingly light and it's surprisingly good. And right. it, it is a way to lighten a load within your own system. Um, excuse me. So I'm just, it's kind of interesting to look across the manufacturers and see who's coming out with what and what are you seeing? Well, what I'm seeing is a definite trend to uh, lenses that are a little bit slower at the long end. Um, so the but in the process, you're getting reduced price, reduced weight, 
Um, and, and they're incredibly useful. Um, if I go to the, the Canon system again, just an ex as an example, because they have done some, some interesting things. There are other ones where you can say, gosh, that's such a big, heavy lens. But uh, an interesting one, and this is one I own, I've talked about it a little bit in the past, is their 100 to 400 lens, which is a full frame lens, got image stabilization in it. It focuses quickly. It's a 5.6 to f8 you know, which would give people some pause. It's like maximum aperture of only F8, you know, at 400 right, millimeters. Right, But you can shoot it wide open. And let's not forget some things in technology that have improved over the years. One is that mirrorless cameras have very sensitive autofocus systems for the most part now. Mm -hmm. And in the past, if you were to use an F8 lens, like or a teleconverter combination that put you at F8. If your camera would autofocus at all, it might just use the center AF point, and that would be all you'd get. And forget it for tracking anything kind of moving. That's right. not the issue anymore. Um, you know, for example, um, I have a 2x teleconverter that I just got, and I put it on the Olympus 100 to 400. That gives you at the long end f13 <laughs> okay now i don't plan on really using this right but but it is you know that's crazy slow and yet i was able to autofocus with it i don't think i'm going to do flying birds with it but i was able to autofocus with it and get reasonable sharpness and i was using it just for fun in san diego with the one four converter that i had so that's like f9 mm -hmm. combo right mm -hmm. and yeah i had to clean up the shots a little bit but you know what i mean i think i sent you some they were usable. They, they looked were, very good. They, they were. They know, were so if someone perfect. is looking at images via social media online, God, yeah. those images look great. And they looked pretty good on my 27-inch screen, too. I mean, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are the the you know the, the 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 benefit you get from these slower lenses is lighter um and usually less expensive. Um the downside has always been you know, traditionally, if you had lenses that required you to stop down a little bit for maximum sharpness and acuity, well, gee, you're now at f11 or, you know, mm -hmm. and that now you're paying a penalty in potentially autofocus speed. You're paying a penalty in noise because ISO, right? You're going to be shooting at higher ISOs. So what has happened in the last five years? Well, autofocus systems have gotten to the point where an f8 lens is not a problem. Right. So you got that going on. And then we've talked about, you know, one of the things we talked about with um, Dennis last time was with the technology for noise reduction and sharpening, those issues of things not being sharp enough or too noisy are almost completely removed. Yeah. I mean, it's... At the very least, you have some really good options that did not exist in the past. And especially the noise removal. Oh my gosh. You know, whether you use the the Adobe stuff that you can find in Lightroom and Camera Raw, which works great, but you use their traditional sharpening, which for the most part works just fine. Or use the DXO stuff, which similarly mm -hmm. great noise reduction. And then you got the fancy tools in the Topaz products, which not the best ones to 
to start with, but for finishing up and more importantly, correcting sharpness issues yeah, that's great. due to subject movement or maybe the focus was off or just wasn't a perfect lens, it can be miraculous. So when I had my teleconverter on in the field last week, Mm -hmm. uh, we were looking over. I mean, you, you've been there with us. If you go down to La Jolla, yeah. you can be on the sidewalk and the cliffs. And, and, and I'll just say, if you do that again, I would absolutely recommend people go out there and do oh, it. It's I, a wonderful spot I just need to, to photograph hotel space. Yeah. It's good. It's yeah. No, it is one of the more reliable locations to really get good with dialing in your settings mm -hmm. and practicing. And, you know, like I said, I had a really great group and they were just so happy with the shots that they got, even though we weren't doing anything exotic, you know, right. Um, but knowing that they now left that workshop with the skills they needed to do better when they find something. The only way that you could create a better environment for really bringing out your new camera with subject detection and all those features would be some automated process with fake birds. I mean, right. that's the right. only way you would improve right. it because it's so good there. It's, as we say, a target-rich environment. Oh, But anyway, I was there. And this little song sparrow, you know, little brown bird, a little LBJ, mm -hmm. little brown jobs, pops up like right below us in the fence. And it's in the shrub. So it's in the dark. And I had my TC on just because I was playing with it, right? Mm -hmm. so I said, oh, let me see if I can get this thing. So I'm using the 1.4 converter on a F6.3 lens. So I'm out at F9, basically. You know, you lose that stop. And... Yeah, it was a little bit hard to, you know, the image stabilizer isn't quite as good when you're dealing with crazy long lengths like that. But anyway, you got this picture and it was the one I sent to you. It was ISO 20,000 <laughs> and I cleaned it up and it sharpened and it's like, wow, you know, nobody would argue with this picture um, at all. So it, it does make for some interesting um, opportunities. And I'm not saying right. go put a teleconverter on everything because that's not always that that's got its own set of issues, but I just I just think that there was a mindset in the past where we would have kind of been dismissive of of slower lenses. Now, one thing that is true is that you're not going to be able to get as clean of background potentially mm -hmm. with some of these slower long lenses as you would, let's say, like with a 600 f4 lens right on a full right. frame body you just won't however this is a big however I'm, I'm talking in theory in practice when you get back your images you don't have that sensation you know for one many of the shots that people take result in a pretty clean background period mm -hmm. just period uh, it's only when you're, you're you've got back background elements that are pretty close in distance to your subject that you really start having problems. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, those aren't the best looking shots to begin with period. Right. So I guess what I'm just saying in my own personal experience, we compare it, we can compare it to yours. I don't get back a whole bunch of shots where I'm thinking, Oh, I, I wish the background were blurry with these long lenses. True. Um, I would agree with you on that. Um, I would say when you have a cluttered background, you have a cluttered background. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter too much what lens you use. So there and, isn't 
there is truth there, but it's probably less of an issue than people perceive. Now, where you would see it, and this is where you get into the differences between systems, is that an F4 lens on a full frame camera is going to render a different background than an F4 lens on something like a micro four thirds body. Because mm-hmm. that they'll both be, you know, your exposure would be the same. You'd have F4. But that but micro the, the four thirds body is going to be different. Yeah. Yeah. The focal lengths will be different. And the effective depth of field would be twice on a micro four thirds, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a problem? And that's a, you know, it, it, this is a completely um, rhetorical question. You know, can you see the difference? And I say, yes, you can. But a lot of times that difference doesn't really matter. Um, sometimes it could. You know, you, if, if you're really into shallow depth of field and background control and subject isolation, yeah, you can see that. A lot of times you'd have to look at both pictures kind of side by side to, to, to truly notice. It just depends on what you're doing. Um, some people might actually see it as a benefit. You know, there's situations where having greater depth of field is actually a good thing. You know, it just depends. But your point, too was you don't have to stop these lenses down like you used to have to yeah you know? and going back to the idea that this is really more for full frame owners who are not looking to switch systems what i would say is you know don't be afraid necessarily of that 100 to 400 5 6 to f8 having it be an f8 lens isn't as big a deal as you might perceive for many many shots Yes, an F4 one will blur out more. But if you strive for relatively clean backgrounds in your shots, which are good to do with ones of birds and, and other wildlife, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably going to be okay. Well, and you really, you really will. And let's get down to, to, the, to the specs here for just a second. Okay. That Canon lens that you're talking about, this mm-hmm. 100 to 400, variable aperture, metal lens mount, blah, blah, blah. The it weighs six hundred and thirty-five grams. That's Just one, not a lot. which is under <laughs> one, a pound and a half. Yeah. Now let's contrast that with I don't have all the other specs up front, but I do have the number for the Nikon one hundred to four hundred, which is a mm-hmm. that that's variable aperture as well. But I it, it's um five point six, right? So it's you know it's a stop faster at the long end, mm-hmm. but it weighs. 1558 grams that's three so this is four, less two than, pounds. so this, this is, is less than half the weight it's two pounds less it is two pounds less and that when you're carrying something around and you don't want to use a monopod or something like that to help you support the weight because maybe the angles are off um one thing about shooting on those cliffs in 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 la jolla is that you got to do a lot of pointing downward a lot of pointing upward and monopods are really just not good for that. They're good for shooting straight out. And yeah, you can put a tilt head on them, but then the angles get all messed up. So you're going to be handholding a lot. And, Mm -hmm. and so what would you rather have a one and a half pound lens that loses a stop or, (laughs) but you can shoot wide open or a three and a half pound lens that, that, you know, I, I don't know how much better it would perform. And and by the time you go through and sharpen things using your, you know, modern sharpening tools, it, it might be completely irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, now, the, 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 the impact of the newer sharpening and noise tools cannot be 
um, it, it's, it's just huge as to what this really means for your photography. I agree. Now let's try something. Let's talk about something a little bit more pedestrian to round this out and mm-hmm, kind of finish sure. it off. So we've been talking about very long lenses and, you know, the benefits are obvious there, but there's some interesting things going on with shorter lenses, including mm-hmm. things that are offered as kit lenses. Right. And, um, you know, a couple that I've used, um, the Nikon Z24 to 50, I think it's an F4 to 6.3 lens, you know, very slow, not exactly. I mean, a 50 millimeter F6.3 does not sound exciting, but it's pretty teeny tiny and very lightweight. Right. right. And it's a surprisingly and it's- useful zoom range if you think about it being kind of like an adjustable 35 millimeter lens, which can go down to 24 or up to, to 50. That's, that's not a bad zoom range. I've got a, a little Sony kit lens that came with um, the A7C camera I have, and it's a 28 to 60 F4 to 5.6. It's kind of plasticky, just like the Nikon is. So it's not the most precision feeling mm-hmm. mechanism, but guess what? It's pretty damn sharp. Yeah. Well, and like again, one of the it's a it's a pretty useful range for you know going around town and just doing casual stuff. Right. And and you know, if you want to compare within a system, for example, um you can get the 50 millimeter 28 macro icon, mm-hmm. you know, which which is very small and light, and it's it's, you know, it's macro lens, it's sharp. It's just a little slower, okay, uh, versus their 1.8, which is absolutely too big to put in your bag most of the time as an extra lens. Or I'll give you another one, the 40 millimeter F2. It's yeah, neat very, little lens. And it's got a lot of plastic in it, but you know what? It's sharp and it's nice, and you actually can get some reasonable bokeh with it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it worked. Th- those are lenses that work. Um, and, you know, it would be nice in my opinion, you know, it's good. We've talked about the importance of a lens ecosystem, uh, you know, when you're talking about various systems. And sometimes I see manufacturers, you know, they go one direction or the other. You know, everything is either like really cheap consumer grade stuff or really high end pro stuff. And there's that middle niche. Now, the good news is that, and like, I think we've, you know, can't say this enough, but the, the less expensive things that we would have dismissed as consumer grade things in the past are actually pretty darn good nowadays. And yes. you can use them without feeling like you're making a tremendous compromise. The difference, like you said, it comes out to how does the depth of field work? How does the bokeh look? You know, just things. And you know what? Those are things that software is starting to address as well. And, you know, just one final thing that I'll say, and you might have some other thoughts try to be realistic about how you're using stuff. So if your normal practice is, let's say you're taking shots around town, you, you put on a, a mid-range zoom and shoot it at F8 and just kind of leave it there. Yeah. Well, then you don't need to worry about a lens that, that has a maximum aperture of 6.3. You're probably going to be stopped down more than that. So big whoop. Again, you, it's important to be realistic. If most of the shots that you're taking end up being stopped down and very few are wide open, 
you might get by just fine with one of these smaller, lighter, cheaper lenses. Well, let me just throw a completely different angle mm -hmm. on, on that. The same idea. Lens that I used to own was was useful for travel. A lot of people like, you know, a lot of people for traveling like a purpose zoom. So mm -hmm. one really very viable option was the 28 to 300 icon, mm -hmm. which was a variable thing. It ended at 5.6. But you know what? At the longer end and at 5.6, it just wasn't as sharp. So we were stopping it down to F8 anyway exactly. most of the time. That's how we were shooting it. What What's happened now is that a lens of similar design for mirrorless, you could shoot it wide open and maybe other than some slight corner softness, which you can fix, especially with the new tools, it's going to be sharp wide open. You're, you don't find yourself stopping down for the clarity and sharpness reasons that we did in the past. You start down because you want a different depth of field. Yes. And, and, and I'm a little bit older than you, like nine years older and i can remember when people would buy 50 1.2 lenses because they were a better lens at 1.4 right. than the 1.4 lens or they'd buy the 1.4 lens because it was a better lens at f2 Correct. than the f2 lens and, and there I was did some that. truth to that i did there that. was some truth they weren't good wide open but stopped down like that they were a little bit better and, and that, that kind of thing be, is gone that used to be words of advice reading forum it's you buy the one four lens because it's great at f2 mm -hmm. and and you know the the one eight lens is going to be great at 1.8 mm -hmm. and and that was why you spent that extra money on that faster prime but i can tell you like that little 40 millimeter f2 z lens which weighs nothing um that's an awfully good little lens. I took it to it's Croatia. It was, it was very nice to use. It was I very, took it there the first time, especially on a smaller form yeah. factor body. You know, it's it's just it's just great. So anyway, um, I, I I think if you if you're looking to lighten that load, you know, we'll just wrap it up here. Don't dismiss the slower lenses from your existing manufacturer. Just look to see what they have. Because there are some good options that don't weigh nearly as much as some of these, you know, monstrosities. And that can keep you from having to invest in a second system if you really don't want to do that or can't do that. Mm -hmm. They are very good options. And I want to just end with just remind everyone what we talked about with in the past, but we, we've talked about, you've talked about it. We talked about it with Dennis on our podcast last week again thanks dennis for showing up but your kit when you go out and you say i'm picking this one up and i'm going to use it it should be because you take some form of pleasure in that it should be enjoyable to use and if you find yourself leaving something at home all the time because gosh it just isn't big or it just isn't comfortable or it's just too much to carry then what's the point of having that you should right. use whether it's whether it's within your own existing system or, or a different system altogether, your gear should bring you some joy. And that's what we're trying to, you know, that's, that's the message, you know. Um, it goes to more than just weight, but that's a big component of, of stuff. If, yeah. if you just, I mean, I had all those Z primes. I had them all. I realized I was never using them. And they were great, great lenses. Why didn't I use them? It was too much to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so 
it, it just it just became cumbersome it was just pointless so yeah. anyway that's kind of where we're at again um if you are not a show supporter already um imagedoctorsphoto.com is our website we're going to be posting some announcements there or some upcoming features for our supporters um, if you are a supporter, you'll get an email about it too. Look for for that from us um, because we've got a new feature we're going to be rolling out starting in February for our supporters uh, to to get a little feedback and engagement with photography. I'll leave it at that Fun as stuff. a teaser. And next yeah. week should be an interesting episode as well. So stay tuned. We'll and until talk next about time, that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it next week when we have more to talk about. Um, yeah. Until next time, happy shooting. All right, bye-bye.